I recently did a video asking, how do you know if you have enough for retirement? And, and what are some of the myths or misconceptions about that? And it seems as though that video may snowball into a little bit of a mini series here. I've had tons of feedback on two main things. One is understanding the government, the Canadian government pension system, and how to calculate how much I actually do need in retirement. I solicited feedback on the last uh, video I did, and I had so much response on both of those topics. I've decided to just do those in order. And the, the, the logic behind it is this, the Canada Pension Plan and the old age security system in Canada provide a baseline for a lot of people, for a lot of Canadians. So it made kind of sense to me, let's cover the, the, the ins and outs of the, our government pension programs. Then in the second video, we can look at how to incorporate those, at, uh, those into your other sources of income in retirement and prepare those financial projections for, for, each, you know, for yourselves. If you are younger, you're probably thinking, gee, we're talking retirement here, so I'm gonna take a pass on this video. I would urge you to stick around. Main reason is this. With the Canada Pension Plan, the decisions that you make today, especially if you're planning on retiring early, will have a big impact down the road on what that government pension will be. So we'll get into some of the nuts and bolts of that soon, uh, but just, you know, I'll urge you to stick around to watch this, even if you are younger. Couple of quick notes. Number one is there have been a lot of exceptions and special rules this past year because of COVID-19. I'm not gonna cover those off in this video. They obviously are going to be temporary. I wanna talk about the, the, the base of the program. I am also gonna make a note, I'm using numbers as of June, 2021, the, the day that I'm creating this video. So in the pension plans, there's a lot of numbers that change quarterly or annually and there's different thresholds. So the numbers you're getting today will change. So if you're watching this, even literally three months down the road, there will be some fine tune changes, but that what you're going to learn today will still form the foundation and you can just make adjustments along the way. So what are the major programs that Canada, the government of Canada has put into place to help Canadians with their retirement? There are three major programs, Canada Pension Plan or CPP, there's Old Age Security, or OAS, and there's GIS, which is the Guaranteed Income Supplement. Now, all of these programs are tied together. There are a lot of similarities, but they all have their own little quirks, and we're gonna cover those off today. Let's start with the Canada Pension Plan. Little bit of history, just for a moment. The Canada Pension Plan was started in 1965, and it was designed originally to replace 25% of your average earnings. So the government felt this would be a good way to make sure that when people did retire, they would have some money to provide for the basic necessities in life. There is a limit. There's what's called a year's maximum pensionable earnings. And this is important because the government didn't say, if you're making a million dollars a year, we're gonna replace and give you $250,000. Every year there is a maximum amount that you can use to contribute towards pension plans. Originally, the program was funded only by employees and employers. There's a, there's a matching system that is still in place today, but there is now a new nuance or in addition to that uh, in, in modern times. Over the life of the Canada Pension Plan, there have been two major reforms. The first coming in 1997, and this was driven really by demographics when people realized that the huge bulk of people who were paying into the system now, in a few years down the road, 20 years or so down the road, would be starting to retire, and they would there wouldn't be enough money in the system if they didn't make some changes because all those people would stop contributing and they'd start uh, drawing from that. So the contribution rates 
doubled back in uh, 1997. And the government saw this writing on the wall and said, gee, let's take some, let's get some extra slush fund into the program. At the same time, they established the CPP Investment Board. So this was a board that was designed to invest the extra or the surplus funds coming into the program. So this is where it went from being employee and employer funded and now there's this investment component uh, as well. And that does form a big part of the growth of the Canada Pension Plan. The second major reform came in 2016 and it's kind of known as the enhanced program. The main part of this program was over a period of years, the that 25% that the program was originally designed to cover has been increased to 33% to form a larger base for individuals when they retire. There was a definite phase-in period for this program from, from 2019, so just recently, up through to 2025. Clearly, in a program like this, in younger investors benefit more. The program only became effective in January of 2019. So if you are already retired, this enhancement has no impact on you. Even if you're late in your career, it's going to have much less of an impact. So this is designed for the younger people over the decades to contribute and have a better retirement benefit when that day comes for them. Main impetus behind this, I think, is just because in the old days when you started working for a company, you belonged to a pension plan. It was very common that you had a defined benefit plan and you know when, uh, you know, when it came your time to retire, you'd have a guaranteed income for the rest of your life. Over the last couple of decades, this really has changed and has gone more to uh, what's called a defined contribution plan, which we'll get into in the next video in this series. But the bottom line is, People are saving fewer and there's are saving less and there's less security in retirement. So that was kind of the driving force behind this, just to help and make sure people uh, had some greater form of income when they retired. So what is the Canada Pension Plan? What is the CPP? It is a program that pays a monthly benefit, a monthly pension benefit for the lifetime of the contributor. Notable, it is taxable income. So just like any other pension plan you're going to get, this, this does uh, go on your taxes. There are two things that you need to do to qualify to be in the program. One is you have to be a minimum of age 60. That's the earliest retirement age in this program. And you must have contributed to the plan during your earning careers. Now, there, there is one exception to that. And is if, you, uh, if there's a, a divorce or a separation, the pension credits can be split. So even if you are a spouse who has not contributed, you may have gained some credits from going through a divorce or a separation. As I mentioned earlier, employees and employers both co uh, contribute to the plan. The current rates are 5.45% of your earnings. Every paycheck, there's an amount taken off of your paycheck of 5.45%. Your employer matches that contribution and that gets sent into the government to form part of this program. As I mentioned, there is a limit and this is called the Year's Maximum Pensionable Earnings or YMPE it's often referred to. In 2021, that YMPE is $61,600. There is what's called a basic exception of $3,500, and it's been that number forever. And that basically means uh, on the first $3,500 of earnings, you don't have to contribute to CPP. So when you take that off of the YMPE, the maximum contributory earnings in 2021 are $58,100. If you do the math on that, it means that if you earn that amount or more, you will contribute $3,166.45. Your employer will kick in the same amount for a total of 63 
Note, if you are self-employed, you probably already know this, but you will be responsible for paying both the employer and the employee portion of that program. Moving on now to how much you will expect to receive when you do collect CPP, it's based on three different things. It's based on your average earnings over your working career. It's based on how much and for how long you contributed. And it's based on the age that you start to take pension out of the plan. Currently, the maximum monthly benefit that any individual will get is $1,203.75 a month, which is $14,445 per year. That's the maximum. The average amount that people get paid is $619.75 a month, or $7,437 a year. So if the maximum that you can get in CP is around $1,200 a month, and the average person is getting between $600 and $700, so somewhere like 51 to 55% of the program, the logical question is, why? Why isn't everybody getting the maximum? This is where we get down to the criteria or what it takes to get up to the maximum. So some, uh, two of the criteria are that in order to get the maximum, you must have contributed to the plan for 39 years at those maximum contribution rates. Also, many people start early. And so if you start taking your money out at age 60 or earlier than 65, you're going to take a reduced amount. And we're going to cover that off in just a moment here. This is where I referred to earlier. If you are a younger investor, it's so critical that when you look at that 39-year time period, even if, say, you're 20, if you're, you know, a lot of people are planning on retiring earlier than 65, it's an awesome goal. The thing is, you need to make sure then that in the early years, you're contributing as much as you can towards that yearly maximum because it will have a compounding impact down the road. Now, there is some good news in this equation. Not everybody through their entire working career earns that contributory maximum. And so the government automatically will reduce or allow 17%, which works out to eight years if you work the full period. Uh, the, your eight lowest years in this case will be taken out of the calculation. So for low income years, uh, you're not going to be penalized. So that's a, that's a positive thing. Now, this is prorated. So the 17% is assuming you work from age 18 to 65. If you do the, the math and the number of months, and you take 17%, that works out to exactly eight years. Let's look at a quick example of if you don't work till 65 and you work fewer years than that maximum contributory period. If you retire at age 60, and if you work from age 18 to 60, that's 504 months. Now, 17% of that is 86 months or 7.14 per year. So in this case, the government would give you an allowance and reduce not the eight years, but the seven years. Now, if you're getting closer to retirement and you're trying to decide whether you should you know, quit working now, this is where another example of where this is important. Imagine that you're 60 today and you're thinking about retiring, but planning on taking your Canada Pension Plan at age 65. These five years between now and then will count as dropout years. If you've had a lot of other no or low income years, this is going to hurt you because this will be added to, the, to that. That will reduce the average earnings and that'll reduce your pension ultimately. Now, if you've had no low earning years, then you're, you're in a good situation because you can take these five. Imagine you've contributed the maximum throughout your working career and you take the next five off. Well, that's not going to affect because that will fall in to the eight year time period. So that's not going to end up with a reduced pension. There are a couple of other dropout or low-income provisions that you may be able to take advantage of as well that you should be aware of. The first one is child-rearing. And if you uh, were the primary caregiver for a child under the age of seven, and because of that, your income dropped, or maybe you had no income during those years, you can request that those are taken off of your, uh, off of your average earnings as well. 
it is important you remember that you request those. The other, you know, the, the default eight years will automatically be calculated, but if you're claiming for childcare as well, then you'll have to do that yourself. Another example of when you can uh, have some years taken off is if you were on disability. So there is a provision that if you are receiving the CPP disability pension, which we're going to cover a little bit uh, down the road here, then those numbers also will be factored in and you won't be penalized for those. So when can you start drawing on the CPP program? This is kind of the crux of the program and something that a lot of people want to know. You could start as early as 60 or as late as 70. The default age is 65 and there are some provisions that you need to be aware of. If you start taking your pension plan early, then your monthly benefit is going to be reduced by a proportion which we'll look at here in a moment. On the other hand, if you delay the start, your monthly benefit is going to be increased. So let's kind of look at some scenarios there. If you start drawing from CPP before age 65, the formula is quite simple. It's 6% each month reduced from the maximum pension or 7.2% per year. So as an example, if you start at age, at age 60, the decrease is 36%. Quick mathematical example, assuming that your pension eligibility is $1,000 a month, and as we know, for in many cases, it's lower than that, but just for the ease of math, we're going to use 1000 here because that's also quite possible. Then if you start at age 60, the $1,000 is reduced by 36%, and your pension will be $640 per month, so quite a bit lower than this, the 1000 you would otherwise be eligible for. If you start at age 62, the $1,000 will be 21.6% lower. That's it's, uh, you know three years earlier than you, the normal entitlement date, 7.2% per year, 21.6. Your pension will be $784. This doesn't go back up to the regular pension when you hit 65. If you take pension early, that number is locked in for the rest of your life. On the flip side of that, if you defer your CPP and you start taking it after age 65, there is a 0.7% increase in the monthly amount that you will get, uh, which equates up to 8.4% a year. Again, if you do delay it, that number is locked in for the rest of your life. So if you start at age 70, which is the latest, then it is an, an increase of 42% over that time. So a quick example there, again, assuming the $1,000 monthly pension, if you start at age 70, the $1,000 goes up by 42%, so your uh, pension would be $1,420 per month. If you started at age 60, just to use another example, the increase would be 16.8%, which is uh, $1,168 per month. A logical question is, and this is so commonly asked, is when should I start taking it? And there isn't really, uh, I don't think there's a, really a, a scientific mathematical answer to that question because it depends so much on your own personal circumstances. And let's look at a couple of the biggest. The first one is, what is your financial situation? If you need the money today, if you're turning 60 and you're eligible for pension and you're living just on the edge and maybe you are, are piling up debt, there's a very strong argument that can be made for taking your pension now. What are your current levels of income and, and what other sources, if any, do you have of income? So um, just distill it right down to this. If you, um, if you really need that money, even though it might be financially advantageous uh, to, to delay it, you really don't, uh, you, you don't have the luxury of, of doing that. Another example or something you have to factor in when you're deciding is your health. And if you come from a family with a, a long uh, you know, lines of, of living to a ripe old age, well, that might be something you factor in and let's just call it life expectancy, and you might just say, well, if you know the, most of my family lives older, then there would be a definite benefit in me uh, delaying receipt of this, and all, that will you know add up to more money at the end of the day. 
Conversely, if you have a shortened life expectancy, you know, whether you know that now or whether you have a family that has a, a shortened life expectancy, then you, know, you, you will definitely want to factor that in. And, you know, there might you might lean more towards taking the benefit early as well. Another factor you would consider is just what, what are your plans in retirement? Are you planning on continuing to work in retirement? That will factor in. We're going to be talking about old age security in just a minute here. And your income from work from CPP will affect or could affect your eligibility for receipt of the old age security. So that's just another, uh, that again, really personal decision or personal circumstances that we can't possibly cover off every scenario here. But when we get to the next video and we start looking at sort of different sources of income that you expect to have in retirement, this again will form the basis and a calculation as to what would be the best scenario for you. Hey everybody, it's Brandon here. I'd like to interrupt today's episode very briefly to remind you that if you're looking for more training in the Canadian stock market, don't hesitate to check out our Investing Academy. For the low cost of only $19.95 Canadian, you can join our private membership group and get access to our top stock picks, trade calls, portfolio insights, and a variety of tools that are helping our members all across the country better their own investing journeys. All it takes is one great stock idea or tip, and that alone can cover years and years of your subscription to our membership group. If you're looking for some additional video training to broaden your knowledge and expand your understanding of the stock market in Canada, we do of course offer a fully video online training program where you can learn from the comfort of your home amongst a variety of students across the country. Both of these products can be found at www.theinvestingacademy.ca where you can sign up for them online or schedule a call with us to learn more. Now back to our scheduled episode. There are a few other CPP benefits as well that are all part of the overriding program. We're going to cover a few of those off right now. The first one is the post-retirement benefit. Now, back in the old days, you couldn't collect CPP if you were still working. You had to retire and collect CPP. Now, a lot of people got around that by you know taking a month or so off work, going back, and if their employer just held their job for them, they'd retire, have a period of time off. I can't remember exactly what the minimum was. It doesn't really matter anymore because it's no longer applicable. The government kind of finally threw up their hands and said, okay, you can retire, or sorry, you can start collecting CPP without actually retiring. So this post-retirement benefit program is if you continue working while you're receiving CPP. This is effective from ages 60 to 70. And basically, if you're working and contributing to CPP, you are part of this of this program. I will make a note here because I forgot to mention it earlier. The Canada Pension Plan and the Quebec Pension Plan are basically the same. There are some minor differences, but they're very closely aligned. They're tied together. So most of what we're talking about here, if you live in Quebec or if you're part of a Quebec Pension Plan, what we're talking about here today will be applicable in most cases right down to the penny. As part of this post-retirement benefit program, uh, contributions are mandatory from ages 60 to 65. So you, re- you start taking CPP, but you're continuing to work. You have to continue to, in- to uh, make contributions during that time. Now, once you're 65 or older, you don't have to contribute anymore. That's optional. You still can. And what will happen if you do is your pension benefits will be topped up on an annual basis and there will be an incremental gain or an incremental growth that incremental growth from the original amount that you that you affect on your OAS, your GIS, etc., if applicable. So again, this is where if you are a high income earner predominantly, you're going to want to make sure that you're that there's a, a reasonable trade off that you're not jeopardizing receiving money from one hand and paying it out of the other hand. Your income level will largely determine that. 
Another of the CPP benefits is called the disability benefit. And this is a monthly pension. If you're under 65 and you are unfortunate enough that you have a severe and prolonged disability that essentially uh, prevents you from you know, day-to-day functioning and certainly from working, if you've made sufficient contributions previously to the, uh, to the Canada Pension Plan and you're not currently receiving CPP, uh, then you will be uh, you will be available. You'll be a, a beneficiary of this part of the program, and you will receive that benefit up until age 65. This disability benefit also applies if you're in the post-retirement phase. If you're already receiving CPP for less than 15 months, or if you become disabled after you're started to receive your benefit, then you will also be eligible. It's important to note that both of these programs automatically become regular CPP when you hit 65. A couple of other quick CPP benefits as part of the program is, one of them is the children's benefit. And this is if you are receiving the CPP disability benefit and you have children under the age of 18 or 18 to 25 but attending a full-time school, there is a flat rate that is adjusted annually and you will qualify for this as well. Currently it's $257.58 a month And the last benefit is the death benefit, and this is a one-time lump sum benefit of $2,500 that is paid to your estate. And in order to receive this, it's not across the board, uh, the deceased must have paid into the Canada Pension Plan. A lot of people ask, okay, so I'm 60 or I'm 65, does this money just start showing up? Does the government know that I've earned this much and start paying it? No, you have to apply for CPP. They do the number crunching, but you actually have to make the application. Now, there's a couple of different ways you can make it. If you make it online, which is the preferred way, you uh, you're, you should be approved for the program in seven to 14 days. On the other hand, if you're kicking it old school and you use the mail or you drop it off at a service, location, uh, service Canada location, the expectation is that you are going to be about 120 days waiting for that. So online, uh, you know, wins that one up if uh, if that's a possibility for you, if that's an option. Lastly, on the topic of Canada Pension Plan, if you forgot to apply or if you've just changed your, changed your mind and you want to apply, you can actually apply retroactively for up to 12 months after the age of 65. Now, it's actually 11 months in arrears plus the month that you apply. So essentially 12 months that you can go back. If you've started taking CPP and for whatever reason you decide you want to cancel it, that's an option as well. You can cancel up to 12 months after you've started, but logically you're going to have to repay any benefits that you have received up to that point. I think that's fair. As you can see, the Canada Pension Plan is a somewhat complicated program. It's not you know, impossible to figure out, but there are a lot of little nuances and decisions that you have to make along the way. Practically everybody who works at some point during their career will be a beneficiary of the Canada Pension Plan. So just having a basic understanding of how that works, whether you're young now or whether you're you know, on the verge of starting to collect CPP is important. We're going to move on now to the second major component of our uh, national pension system, and it's called Old Age Security, or OAS. Quick history on OAS. OAS was started in 1952. It was originally designed for uh, people who were 70 years or older, paying a monthly benefit, again, to help with uh, low-income earners at the time. That number is now down to, uh, to age 65 rather than the 70 that started at. A big difference between OAS and CPP is that OAS is not related at all to your earnings. You can actually earn zero because you're not contributing to the plan. It's more in general revenues. To be eligible for CPP, there's a couple of different scenarios here. Number one is if you live in Canada. If you're 65 years or over, if you're a Canadian citizen or a legal resident, 
And if you have resided in Canada for at least 10 years since the age of 18, you will be eligible to receive some old age security. Also, if you're living outside of Canada and you're 65 or older, you have been a Canadian citizen or legal resident on the day before you left Canada. And if you've lived in Canada for 20 years or longer, you too will be eligible to collect some old age security. There is another category of people who work outside of the country. If you work for a Canadian employer, or if you work, for example, the armed forces, and your job requires you to be out of the company, uh, out of the country rather, then you may have that time that you worked abroad counted as residency and forming part of the uh, that you know that 40-year time period to collect the maximum OAS. If you are in this bucket, there's some criteria. Number one, you must have returned within six months of your employment ending. You must uh, have turned 65 while you're still employed. And you must have maintained your Canadian residence during your time away. One other way of being eligible for the old age security, if you lived in a country that Canada has a social security agreement with, and there are about 60 of these countries, a little bit over 60 across the globe, and if you contributed to the social security system of one of those countries, in many cases, you can combine the contributions you made there with the Canada system, and you will be eligible for old age security uh, you know, from the Canadian government here. So when does OAS actually kick in? When do you get your first check? As I mentioned earlier, you have to be 65 or older to collect OAS. And so automatically on your the month after you turn 65, you will get your first OAS payment from the government. Or you can specify a date if you want to defer it. Much like the Canada Pension Plan, you can defer or delay your benefits up to five years. The benefits in this case increase by 0.6% every month or 7.2% a year. And in this case, you do have to notify uh, Service Canada. Unlike CPP, in most cases, if Service Canada has the correct information for you on file, they're just going to start sending you that check on the first month after your 60, 65th birthday. So if you want to uh, delay that, you have to be proactive and notify Service Canada ahead of time. Just like CPP, should you get it when you're 65? Should you should you delay it? It comes down to your personal circumstances, same things as we looked at before, uh, your health, your life expectancy. If you have a shortened life expectancy, take it now. If you have a longer life expectancy, you might want to consider deferring it. Financial circumstances also come into play here. Do you need the money? This is very similar to what we looked at in Canada Pension Plan. You may not have a choice if you want to just you know, basically survive. Another thing that comes into play with old age security is if your income is high, you might want to consider delaying it or is your spouse or your common law partner applying for what's called the allowance that we're gonna cover off in a few minutes here. Those are personal decisions that you're going to have to make uh, to determine the best time for you to start taking your old age at, your old age security. So the big question is how much do I get? If you uh, belong to that camp that has 40 years of residency here in Canada, then you will qualify for the current maximum amount, which is $618.45 a month. If you have fewer than 40 years in Canada, there is a formula. Essentially, you take the number of years that you've lived in Canada, you uh, divide that by 40. For example, if you lived in Canada for 20 years, you take 20 divided by 40, that's 50%. You will get 50% of that benefit. The amount is reviewed four times a year and it is adjusted to the consumer price index or to inflation. 
old age security benefits are taxable. And uh, just make a note here that the taxes are not automatically deducted at source. So if you are concerned about you know next year when you file your income tax return, just factor that in that there's nothing withheld. Now you can request money be uh, a percentage be withheld, but by default, there is none there. No discussion on OAS would be complete without broaching the topic of the benefit repayment or the clawback as it's known. And there, this, this benefit is designed to complement or to supplement income to a certain point. And if you're a high income earner, it's possible that you may have some or even all of this benefit clawed back. So let's talk, let's take a look at that. The amount of income that you will receive as OAS payment is based on your income from the previous year. And somewhat confusingly, the payment period is July to June of the following year. And this is so that you can file your tax return. Well, you know, for example, we're 2021 right now, but we didn't know until a couple months ago what your income or you didn't file your tax return for 2020, uh, for 2020. So once you file that, the new benefits will be adjusted from July of this year going forward. So currently, July 2021 to June 2022, the payments you receive for those months are based on 2020 income. There are thresholds that determine if you have to pay back some or all of the benefit. The 2020 income threshold that is used to determine the benefits that you'll be receiving July, starting July of this year is $79,054 on the low side and $128,149 on the high side. In other words, if you earned that uh, more than $79,054 in 2020, your benefits will be reduced this um, this year and it's on a sliding scale up until a maximum of $128,149. Planning for next year, the 2021 income that affects next year's OAS, those numbers typically climb up every year. The minimum will be $79,845, so you can earn up to that much, and this is net income, without having your benefits affected. If you earn $129,260 or more, your you will lose all your benefits. You hear a lot of griping about how you know, the government's out to screw you and they have this system in place, but practically nobody gets OAS. That's just not the fact. Uh, about 5% of Canadians have any amount clawed back. So at the lower end of that threshold, 95% of people in, in retirement have a net income of lower than that. So 5% gets some money clawed back. And it's only about 2% of Canadians who have the entire amount clawed back. So, you know, I, I've always said, if you're in that 2%, I mean, that's a, I look at that as a positive. There are things you can do. I mean, it doesn't mean don't get the the benefit if you're entitled to it. And there are some things that you can do to, to help with that. So let's look at some of those right now. If you're age 65 or older, you can split income with your spouse and that will help bring your net income down, which may take you down below a threshold of roughly 79,000. For those of you who are fortunate enough to be high income earners, be aware that if you're planning on starting to take your OAS at age 65 and you're still earning high income at age 64 uh, above that threshold, you will have all of your OAS clawed back uh, when you apply for your 65th year. It might make sense in that case to just defer it to the following year and you will get that, uh, you know, the, the slight increase there as well. Also, watch for capital gains. If you have an asset that you're selling, that goes into the calculation. So maybe it's a business or maybe it's a property or whatever the asset is, it doesn't really matter. If you're receiving OAS and you sell that and have a capital gain that takes you again into or above that threshold, that number will be calculated into the formula and you will uh, it, it may reduce your uh, old, age, uh, old age security payments in the following year in that case. How do you apply for OAS? Well, as I mentioned earlier, for most Canadians, the enrollment is automatic. So Service Canada will uh, will just automatically start on the first month after your 65th birthday. They will uh, start uh, paying you. 
If you receive notice from them that they don't have proper information on hand, they will uh, notify you and then you must uh, apply. You can apply online uh, and the earliest you can apply is one month following your 64th birthday, birthday. And when you apply for OAS, you must be living in Canada. Much like the CPP, you can apply retroactively up to 12 months. Now this would be if you're already over 65, obviously. I have a couple of more housekeeping points if you're an OAS uh, recipient now, is uh, if there's major changes in your life. So some of these changes include if you become married or enter into a common law relationship, if you divorce or separate, if your spouse or partner dies, or if the recipient dies, then your estate has to notify Service Canada so that they can make the appropriate adjustments to the plan. Lastly, if you are going to be away from Canada, you do need to be in Canada to receive OAS. So if you leave for more than six months, your old age security will stop. And yes, the Service Canada does coordinate with the Canada Border Services Agency. So they will know if you've left and you haven't come back. And uh, there's you know the requisite penalties and fines, etc. if you try and cheat the system. Lastly, if you are convicted of a crime and you end up going to jail for two for more than two years, so two years and a day, then you will no longer be eligible for OAS in, in a circumstance like that as well. Probably best just to avoid that. The third major element to our public pension plan is what's called a guaranteed income supplement. The third major element to our public pension plan is what's called a guaranteed income supplement. And this truly is designed to help low income earners, um, just give them a, a bit of a leg up in retirement. The program started in 1967 and it originally was designed just to complement a Canada Pension Plan phase-in as the program got ramped up, but it was later made permanent and as I mentioned, is designed to help low-income earners. To be eligible to receive the Guaranteed Income Supplement, you must be receiving OAS, their you know, sister programs, you must live in Canada, and you must be age 65 or older. As if the numbers we've been throwing around here today aren't mind-boggling enough or confusing enough, there's a few more to go before we're finished with the GIS. And there are income thresholds or income levels that you cannot exceed to be eligible for OAS. Let's take a quick look at those right now. If you are single, widowed, or divorced, and your income is below 18744 you um, will be eligible or you may be eligible for the guaranteed income supplement. And then you can see those numbers, depending on the circumstances, will also be applicable if you have a, if you have a family income, if you're, not, if you're not a single person. These, this income is not taxable. So there's one good thing, you know, CPP is, OAS isn't, but GIS, if you are in a situation where you have to receive that, then, um, then it's not a taxable income. The amounts that you receive, uh, single, widowed, or divorced, the amount is $923 per month. That's a flat benefit. If you have a spouse or a partner, uh, it'll range from $556 up to $923, depending on household income. Another part of this program is what's called an allowance for the spouse or the partner. Here's how that works. In order to be eligible for the allowance, there's a number of criteria that have to be in place. You have to be age 60 to 64. Your spouse has to get the full OAS and GIS. You have to be a Canadian citizen or legal resident. You have to reside in Canada and have resided in Canada for at least 10 years. And the household income has to be a combined income of less than $34,704. In this case, if you do meet these criteria, the monthly benefit is $1,174.49, as I said earlier, subject to change. And finally, on the allowance 
for the survivor. So uh, again, the criteria, if you're age 60 to 64, Canadian citizen, reside in Canada for at least 10 years, and your spouse has died and you have not remarried, the annual income and your annual income is less than $25,272, you are eligible for a benefit. The benefit in this case is $1,400.05 a month. Whew, that's a lot of information. Looking at pension plans and crunching the numbers and, and understanding all the rules that apply to these different programs is it's not particularly exciting uh, information. It's important information and you know vast majority of Canadians will uh, participate in these programs at some point down the road. So if you're still watching the video at this point, I mean, kudos to you, thumbs up to you because uh, you've stuck around and, and, and um, your mind's probably you know going nuts. I will put at the bottom uh, of the, uh, beneath the video here, I will put links to Service Canada and some of the resources I referred to so you can go and look at some numbers as well. For the next video in the series, this is gonna form a big part of that. So knowing uh, how much you're gonna by default get uh, when you get into your retirement years, is important. We're then going to take that and look at analyzing other sources of income, how they all tie, how they combine with your CPP. If you, uh, between now and then, if you want to determine how much you're eligible or how much you'll expect to get, you can go onto the Service Canada website and with, you know, with entering the appropriate information, you'll get a projection. You can actually get a history of all the years that you've worked and the, uh, the amount that you've contributed. Uh, so you can see, you know, compare back to that YMPE and see how close uh, you were to that. And also it'll project at age 60 and I think age 65, uh, maybe even 70 if you retire, how much income you're projected to get based on this information here. So I really hope that this uh, has been at least informative to you. And uh, we're going to, like I say, we're going to tie this into the, to the next video, which will be coming up probably next week. So I really appreciate you watching and uh, participating in this. And we can get into, I think, some more exciting stuff in the video to follow. As always, if you have enjoyed the video, if you felt it interesting, really appreciate a thumbs up. Maybe like the video. Uh, that would be much appreciated. And I will wrap this video up. And I really look forward to seeing you in the next video.